okay, this is so dumb, but toward the end of this episode, when I'm talking about George Wallace, I say 1868, but it was actually the election of 1968. I am human. Please forgive me for that. And uh, please give me some grace and look past it. Uh, Once again, I want to reiterate that this podcast is not intended to be an extremely elaborate or detailed account of any of the events that I cover over the course of the podcast. All it is is supposed to be a crash course in all of the events that took place that I cover. So if you want to learn more about anything that I cover on this podcast, I almost want to say visit your local library, but I'm not going to say that. But feel free to do your own research. I always encourage that. So with that being said, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back with another episode of the podcast. Tanner talks about stuff that happened. I am Tanner, and I'm going to talk about stuff that happened. This is the podcast where I talk about things that interest me and things that I want to understand. My whole life, I want to understand how everything works, and I love to see how different historical events fit together in the grand scheme of things. If there was something I could tell everybody about history, it would be that everything fits together in some way or another. Leonardo da Vinci once said... Open your eyes and see that everything connects to everything else. And that's the purpose of this podcast is to show how everything fits together. So today we're going to be talking about the bipartisan system in the United States. And we're talking about that in the political sense in terms of the Republican and Democrat parties. So in the United States, at the time of this podcast recording, there are two domineering political parties, which I just mentioned. They hold nearly complete dominion over American politics. And Since 1854, the Republican and Democratic parties of the United States of America have battled it out every two years in an attempt to gain the upper hand in either the White House or the legislature. And I say every two years, not every four years, because I'm not saying just the presidency. It also has to do with everything else in the legislature. And before that, the Federalists and uh, Democratic Republicans took turns duking it out for the same purposes. Today, the Republican Party is seen as a conservative business and free market oriented party, while the Democratic Party is seen as progressive, liberally economic and social oriented party. Generally, these two parties don't play nice. That is inarguable. And in 2016, things reached a fever pitch when the election battle between Donald Trump, the Republican nominee for president of the United States, and Hillary Clinton, the Democratic nominee for the same office, ensued. Tensions reached a breaking point, and the country was heavily divided behind the two controversial figures, and many began wondering if the bipartisan system no longer served the interests of the American people. In response to that, three third-party candidates arose that garnished votes from both nominees, namely Gary Johnson of the Libertarian Party, who took home almost 4.5 million votes, more than 3% of the electorate, Dr. Jill Stein of the Green Party, who walked away with one and a half million votes, 1% of the electorate, and Evan McMullen, an independent conservative candidate who entered the race late but managed to grab over 700,000 votes, a half a percent of the electorate. Not only did this demonstrate that many citizens of the United States were uniquely dissatisfied with the two options that had been elected, but these candidates took almost 7 million votes from the two central candidates, votes that could easily have taken the election in a different direction. Following the election of Donald Trump, some began asking if the two-party political system of the United States was truly serving the needs and desires of the American people. With the country now deeply divided, some were even suggesting that if the trend continued after the election took place, 
the United States could experience a second civil war. And the persistence of politicians to serve the purposes of their own party, rather than focus on what was best for the country, had become a significant issue. So how did the United States get to this point? We've got to go back to 1787, with the publication of the Federalist Papers number 9 and 10. The Federalist Papers were a series of essays written under a common pen name by Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay to support the ratification of the United States Constitution, and these two particular papers highlighted the dangers of the country splitting into factions. George Washington himself warned against party politics, but in 1789 the Federalist Party was created, also, ironically, by Alexander Hamilton, and also to support the ratification of the new Constitution. It should be noted that this party did not follow the standard party politics of the modern era. It was, it was simply a party meant to advance the widely supported legislation through the very recently formed United States Congress. Really, it was created to simplify things. But with the creation of the Federalist Party came the creation of an opposition party by those who feared the tyranny of the majority. And these people banded together to create the Anti-Federalist Party, also known as the Democratic Republicans founded by James Madison and Thomas Jefferson. The Federalist Party can be closely attributed to the modern Republican Party. They favored business and free trade and, and have a bit of a bad name for being elitist, favoring a strong central government rather than many smaller state governments. They re-established trade between the United States and Great Britain and began the industrialization of the country, which folks in New England supported, but those in rural agricultural southern states saw as a threat to their livelihood favoring the Democratic-Republican Party instead. The Democratic-Republicans favored relations with France over relations with Great Britain, and favored a weaker federal government with strong state governments. These two parties quickly grew to dominate the political landscape until 1828, with the establishment of the Whig Party and the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party was founded by supporters of Andrew Jackson, taking the place of the Democratic-Republican Party, and the Whig Party was a coalition of anti-Jackson politicians hoping to keep Andrew Jackson from the presidency. The Democratic Party originally advocated for a small federal government and more prominent state governments, and the co continuation of slavery as an institution and the abolition of any national bank. The Whig Party advocated for protections against the tyranny of the majority, supported a national bank to institute an interventionist economy that would protect the American economic systems against failure, and the industrialization of the state. While Andrew Jackson took to the presidency, the Whigs were able to get several presidents into office before the dissolution of the party in 1856, including William Henry Harrison, Millard Fillmore, and John Tyler. In 1854, a bill was introduced to Congress suggesting that part of the territory acquired by the United States in the Louisiana Purchase be organized into two states, Kansas and Nebraska, and this became known as the Kansas-Nebraska Act. If you're familiar with the 1850s in the United States, you'll remember that it was a tumultuous time in the country as states were labeling themselves either slave states or free states. In the years preceding the introduction of the Kansas-Nebraska Act, the Missouri Compromise had taken place, which labeled Maine as a free state while Missouri would become a slave state. And part of the Kansas-Nebraska Act would repeal the Missouri Compromise in favor of leaving the status of a state as a free or slave state up to the popular sovereignty. 
This stoked fears about slavery and anti-slavery among the United States Congress, as they would no longer be allowed to decide which states were free states or slave states, and such a hot-button issue at the time being left in the hands of the people could lead to further division and even violence. In opposition to the Kansas-Nebraska Act arose the Republican Party in 1854, declaring that slavery was immoral and arguing against its expansion into Kansas and Nebraska, leading to the events that would come to be known as Bleeding Kansas, which I'll probably do an episode on at some point. But since 1854, the Republican and Democratic parties have evolved and slowly changed their stances on certain topics. Since this is not a political podcast, but instead a history podcast, I will not be outlining their stances on anything in the modern day, but I'm going to talk really quickly about some third-party candidates that have made waves in this stone-cold two-party system. Since the Republicans and Democrats assumed control of Congress, it's been extremely difficult for a third party to rise to prominence, as the United States is based on, in a winner-take-all system, as opposed to proportional representation. This means that if you get a majority of votes, you take the office you are vying for with no questions asked, rather than having an elected body be compromised of elected officials proportional to the amount of votes they receive. For instance, in a proportionally elected assembly of 100 electorates, if there were four parties, it could work like this. Party 1 gets 50% of the vote. Party 2 gets 30% of the vote. Party 3 gets 15% of the vote. Party 4 gets 5% of the vote. In that elected assembly, Party 1 would contribute 50 electors because they got 50% of the votes, Party 2, 30 electors, Party 3, 15 electors, and Party 4, 5 electors. But because the United States is a winner-take-all system, many argue that the establishment of a third-party candidate undermines the democratic process because you are almost forced to vote for the lesser of two evils rather than who you actually want to win. If you do not favor the nominees from either party, which is what was argued in the election of 2016. In times of division, however, third party candidates have risen to prominence and made their mark on history. In 1868, in the heat of the civil rights movement, George Wallace, a former Democrat, joined the American Independent Party and made his bid for presidential office. Wallace was a white national segregationist, and his platform was against racial equality in the United States. His run was appealing to many rural white Southerners, and he was able to snag 46 electoral votes. While he lost by a significant margin to Richard Nixon, Wallace made his mark on American history, though he later changed his political views on segregation and declared himself an evangelical Christian. In 1860, a four-way battle ensued between the Republican Party, led by Abraham Lincoln, the Constitutional Union, nominating John Bell, and the fractured Democratic Party, with two factions sending two separate nominees, John Breckinridge of the Southern Democratic Party, and Stephen Douglas from the Northern Democratic Party. Abraham Lincoln won by a huge margin, which can be attributed not only to his good leadership, but also to the divided state of the rest of the country. While Lincoln was able to unite the Republicans under a single banner, the Democratic Party remained at odds, leading to the brief rise and fall of the Constitutional Union Party, led by John Bell, who grabbed 39 electoral votes from the Democrats, both candidates already trying to beat impossible odds. 
But probably the most famous third-party candidate disrupted a presidential election in 1912. Theodore Roosevelt had already served as president of the United States, but had come to be very disillusioned with the Republican and Democratic parties, finding it difficult to agree with either of their policies entirely, so he decided to form his own party, coming to be known as the Progressive Party of the United States. While Democrat Woodrow Wilson won in a landslide vote with 435 electoral votes, Teddy Roosevelt was able to make his case with 88 electoral votes, leaving poor re-election hopeful Republican William Taft with a meager eight electoral votes. Not only would Teddy Roosevelt be remembered as one of the toughest presidents in history, but he'd also come to be remembered as one of the most successful third-party candidates of all time. Time will tell if the United States chooses to stick with the traditional two-party system. Many Americans have become disillusioned with the party politics in the United States, and it's undeniable that a fair amount of politicians put the desires of their party before the needs of the American people, leading to corruption and gridlock. Perhaps George Washington said it best when warning the American people against political factions in his memorable farewell address in 1796 as he prepared to return to Mount Vernon for the remainder of his life. And this is what he said. However political parties may now and then answer popular ends, they are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. I guess it's up to us to decide if this warning has become a reality. All right, that will do it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in to Tanner Talks about stuff that happened. I'll be back next week talking about more stuff that happened. This episode was a little bit shorter, but uh, I enjoyed researching this episode and I learned a lot. So thank you for tuning in. I hope you learned something that I did and I will catch you next week. If you enjoy the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star review. It really, really helps us get more people involved in the conversation about history, and why it's so important. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.